The people who are embracing new ways of marketing, whether it's video or something else, those are the people who are going to win, not because it's the new trendy thing to do, but because they're laying the groundwork now. And then five years from now, when or if TV and radio are completely irrelevant, they're not chasing it. They're already there. And that's what I want for my company as well. That's the voice of Jeff Hayes, 30-year creative production and advertising pro who specializes in automotive creative. And in this episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, the first for 2019, I'm excited to be exploring all about the shift from broadcast traditional advertising through to strategic online video. So stay tuned and let's roll with the intro music. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome to 2019 and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast where we dive deep into the world of effective video marketing to attract your tribe and grow your business. This is 2019, a new year, and we've had a few weeks off with the podcast, but we're back into it now. And I know for many people who are listening to the podcast, they probably feel like they've been back at it for a while. Now, as I said, we've had a few weeks off from the podcast and I had a couple of weeks pretty much solidly off work, so I was able to really relax and recharge with the family, hit the beach almost every day and just enjoy the beautiful, warm, hot weather that we've got here. And I'm sorry for those people in the Northern Hemisphere listening in if that's making you feel a bit jealous, but definitely back into the swing of things here both with my agency and we're currently deep into one of our busiest Januaries to date with all the work we've got on to be honest and a little teaser as well I'm also working hard on putting the final touches now to the online video strategy blueprint course which is coming at the end of this month January 2019 so if you're interested to find out more when that does launch just get on the wait list now over at onlinevideostrategyblueprint.com and you'll be one of the first people to hear about it when that launches at the end of this month. So thanks again for continuing to listen to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. If you're new here, if this is the first episode, welcome. It's really great to have you here. And if you've listened for 75 episodes before, you know, big thanks to you guys. Um, This is why I do this podcast. So episode 76 today, I'm calling it from broadcast ads to online video in the audio industry. And Although we will be framing much of our conversation with my guest today around auto dealers, everything that we talk about really is super relevant across so many industries from traditional bricks and mortar businesses through to, you know, 100% digital businesses. So even if you're not in the auto industry, which I know many of the listeners out there are not, this is still going to be a hugely relevant and valuable episode for you. In fact, as I was recording today with our guest, um, I kind of didn't want to end. I had to pay attention to the time and just wrap things up because it was a really valuable chat. So I know you're going to love it. My guest today is Jeff Hayes. He's a 30-year creative production and advertising pro specialising in automotive and retail creative. He's a founder of Capstone Production Group and Dealer Creative over in the US, and he's seen the creation of over 22,000 commercials and videos for over 900 car dealerships and local businesses across the USA and Canada. Now, Jeff is actually a student in my small group online video strategy blueprint bootcamp program, which is is coming to a close right now. We launched it, you know, uh, around September last year, and we're leading up now to the full course launch. And Jeff was, along with a few other select people as part of that bootcamp, were able to get early access to the online video strategy blueprint uh, course content. So we'll dive into that a little bit today, but. I know you're going to get a lot out of this chat and we can learn so much from Jeff and his story because we're going to talk about how he's taking his business, which is highly successful and mostly focuses on traditional video production. And we're going to explore how he's paying attention 
to the changing landscape of consumer behaviour and and the, the changing habits and the way people buy and the impact that that's having on his industry and therefore his business and, and how he's going to be pivoting and adjusting and, and refocusing the way that he approaches things with his clients. So for you listening, whether you're a video producer yourself and you're recognising this change, or if you're a marketer or business owner considering where and how to spend your marketing budget today, then this really is the podcast interview for you. Now, we cover a lot of ground in this interview. I didn't want to wrap it up, but I had to. So grab yourself a cuppa or settle in and let's get on with the interview with Jeff Hayes from Capstone Production Group. Jeff Hayes, welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Ben. So Jeff, I gave you a bit of an introduction there for our listeners, but that's just a bit of your backstory, but I'd love to learn more about your backstory. What, what led you into video production in particular and the work you do in the automotive industry today? Well, uh, I think maybe like a lot of people, I kind of stumbled into video. My background's really in radio and I've always had a passion for copywriting and audio production and how those two things work together. And then, uh, you know, my radio career, just kind of fumbling through it a little bit. I felt like I'd hit a ceiling, really wasn't going very far, wasn't making any more money. And I always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I always wanted to have, you know, an ad agency or a production company or some sort of uh, company on my own. And so uh, an opportunity came about with a guy I knew here locally who owned an ad agency that was just going through the roof and he needed a production person. And we had the opportunity to team up and buy an existing um, production company and, and make it a kind of an in-house production company for his agency. And so that's how Capstone Production Group was born and uh, finally got out of radio. And, but going into it, I really didn't know that much about video. I could write the copy for it, but as far as, you know, what all went into it, it was just one of those things that comes about and all right, I guess I'll figure it out. And uh, so that was in 2002. And, um, and since then, um, we've gone crazy here. And, uh, you know, the ups and downs of the economy happen. And uh, eventually, I wound up buying out my partner uh, after he wanted to move on. And, um, and man, we are just cranking along. And I actually don't edit that much. I actually don't do that much motion graphics. I'm still really focused on the writing and, and making sure that the audio is good and then rely on a team of animators and video pros who are just, you know, a million times better than I could ever be to actually get the video done. Yeah. So maybe can you paint a picture for our listeners of what your business is like today and, and your team? So how big's your team? What does that consist of? And, and you've mentioned your role there is mostly in the, the creative, uh, the mm -hmm. writing and still audio as well, right? Right. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier uh, the automotive industry, 75% of our business is in automotive and mostly with automotive, automotive dealers in the United States and Canada. And so with that, you've got this really unique set of challenges where they don't really know what they want until they see it. They need it really, really fast and they're not going to pay you a lot of money to do it in their mind, a lot of money. So uh, we had to put together a, a system and a structure and a team and a facility here that could do top quality creative in a relatively short amount of time for not that much money. And so what we've done here is assembled a team that doesn't work in an assembly line, so to speak, but it is very, very process driven. We produce, write, produce uh, maybe 300 TV commercials a month for yeah. car dealers in North wow. America. And in order to be able to handle that sort of volume, you have to have a team and you have to have a structure and a system in place to make it happen. So we have, um, <laughs> we have almost as many writers here as we do uh, video producers because it all starts with the words. If you don't get the writing right, if you don't get the script right, it doesn't matter how good the audio sounds. It doesn't matter um, how awesome it looks when, it, when it's on TV or online. If you don't get the words right, it falls flat. So we put a lot of emphasis on writing. So we have a team of writers. We have a team of five video people. We have a couple people in audio and marketing people. And you have to have a project manager to make sure things, things are on track and things get in and out of here on time. So 
Um, all in all, 10 people right now, it could, it could fluctuate. You know, we could add a couple of dealer groups tomorrow and need to add five people. So, uh, but we have the structure in place already, both technology-wise and system, systems-wise, so that we can scale on a moment's notice because in the automotive industry and in local retail, they need you to move fast. So that's what we've built here. Yeah, awesome. Well, you've obviously done a good job and I'm interested to explore what moved you into this uh, focus on the automotive industry in particular. So when you when you came into Capstone Production Group back in, you mentioned 2002, was there a focus on automotive then or or how did that come about? And now you, you mentioned 75% of what you do. You've even started a, a new brand, um, Dealer Creative as well. So um, obviously that's a, a, a key focus now. So how did that come about? Well, again, having had a um, partner who owned an ad agency, and we were almost his in-house agency at the time, they were, they had a focus on automotive because it's very regular business, it's very lucrative, and, um, and, and it, it poses a lot of different aspects that an agency can really dive into. And, you know, back then it was, you know, it was TV and radio and print and there was no, <laughs> there was no digital back then. And so you really get, to, got to get together with, with a car dealer and dig deep into his marketing and discover all these different aspects that you could work on. So that's why, that's why the agency focused on it. And we were just kind of along for the ride on the production side. But what happened was, and this happens with a lot of automotive focused ad agencies uh, in the United States is once you get a reputation for getting it right and getting results, they talk to each other like you wouldn't believe. And yeah. with you know 20,000 car dealerships in North America, they are a tight-knit group and they talk to each other. So once word spreads around that you're good, you get a lot of referrals and you get a lot of unsolicited phone calls. So that's kind of, that's kind of, kind of how it happened. And again, it was one of those things that we stumbled into. We never set out to, we're going to be the largest automotive production company in the world. We didn't really set out to be that way. But again, when you, once, you, once you really focus on an auto dealer or any client, this is their problem and I'm going to solve it. I'm going to make sure I solve it, not in the way that, um, so it makes my reel look good, but it's so, so that it really solves their problem. That's when, that's when it really, really took off. And, uh, you know, it used to be when I was in radio, I just wanted to make commercials that looked, that sounded good on my reel. And I realized really fast that I wasn't, when I, once I was in business for myself, that's not how you do business. You know, you, you, you can't make something, uh, cool because you want to make something cool. You have to make yeah. something that solves your customer's problem. And so once that reputation, um, got out there, that's how we grew. And like you said, the dealer creative name we, we felt like we had such a presence in the automotive industry. We needed a division that could market specifically to car dealers. So we created dealercreative.com and, um, and that's basically a, uh, an, an automotive division of capstone production group. And, um, and now, you know, now we're not only a, just a production company, we're a resource We're a, you know, we teach a lot, we speak at events We're you know, we're called on for our expertise because now, you know, we've done 20,000 commercials and videos. And so when you have that kind of experience and that kind of track record behind you, it really just starts to snowball. Yeah. And I, I, I love what you're saying there. And I think for, you know, that obviously aligns a lot with what I talk about as well for those people who have listened to the podcast for a while is what you're clearly focused on, which i almost guarantee is led to the success of what you've been doing over the years is it's not about the production. It's not about the creative. It's about getting the results for your, for your clients. Right. And you've got that at the, at the forefront of everything that you're doing. That's true. And now our writers have that in mind and our marketing people have that in mind, but our producers, it's not so much because they're not, they don't have to be on the front lines talking to clients. Now, if it was just me, I'd have to balance that. Um, but if you have a team like we do here, um, the producers don't really have to worry so much about is, um, you know, is this speaking to the, to the heart of the customer or not? Because the writers and the marketing people, we're going to take care of that to make sure that what they produce is what the client needs and wants. Um, but I think that, you know, when you're a, when you're a solo producer out there, it's very easy to fall into the trap of producing for the sake of I'm a producer and, and not, and, and, and missing the whole point of why you were hired to begin with. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I want to steer this conversation into a bit about strategy later as well. But before I do, I want to come back to something that you mentioned there around the way that you've seen in your 30 years in the industry, the industry changing. You know, you mentioned that traditionally, and I guess even more so in the in automotive industry as other industries is they're very focused on that traditional broadcast the traditional mm. advertising mechanisms, you know? Um, and so I'm interested to hear from you how you've seen that change and where you feel the automotive industry fits within that change as well. Well, it's funny, uh, you know, in the automotive industry, historically it's a lot of family businesses um, and the people running them are, you know, previous generation, older generation um, families, and they're really, really slow to change. But what's happened, especially just in the past couple of years, even though you know digital marketing has been around and been a focus of dealers for the last 10 years, just over the past couple of years, it has intensified and changed so much. And the, the, the dealers that, and any business really, the people who are embracing new ways of marketing, whether it's video or something else, those are the people who are going to win, not because it's the new trendy thing to do, but because they're laying the groundwork now. And then five years from now, when or if TV and radio are completely irrelevant, they're not chasing it. They're already there. And that's what I want for my company as well. Even though we have spent all these years producing commercials for TV and radio, I want to make sure that in five years from now, if traditional advertising of radio and TV is, is dwindled to the point where it's not effective, that I don't have for my business, that I don't have to chase it, that I don't have to figure it all out five years from now. I want to figure out and know as much as I can right now so that when, when, the, when the automotive industry and, and retail in general starts to make that shift, then I'm already there and I can welcome them with open arms and say, I've got the solution. I know you don't want to be on TV anymore. I know you can't afford it anymore. I have a solution over here. Let's talk. So, so with, with the way that digital marketing has improved and where broadcast hasn't been able to keep up just by its very nature, I think that we're going to continue to see that shift and we've been trying to predict it for years, trying to figure out, is it going to be three years, five years, going to be seven years? Is TV going to die? And so far, it hasn't. We're seeing a little bit of a shift. Uh, we're seeing it intensify a little bit and speed up a little bit. I don't think it's ever going to go away. Um, but I think that you're going to continue, we're going to continue to see um, people really scale back their traditional advertising if they can team up with partners on the digital side who can truly show them here's where your money was spent and here's the results that you got and, and make sure that there's no, no uh, funny business in there and there's no, you know, nothing fake, nothing fudged. And I think the people that are, you know, can be the straight up honest marketers are really going to win. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I know for the diehard digital marketers that, that I'm in contact with and that, that I hear and, and learn from as well. I think many of them would say that TV is dead. Radio is dying. Um, they would say that they would, they would throw that out there and say, you need to be moving all of your, your advertising and marketing spend to digital channels. Now it's the start of 2019 and you know what you're saying. And, you know, I agree in, and it is different in different industries, you know, absolutely in different industries and markets. But what you're saying is, we're not there yet. There's still a lot of gains to be had from the traditional marketing. Well, remember, you cannot participate and believe a focus group of one. Just because you don't watch TV anymore, or just because you and your wife spend most of your time watching Netflix and Hulu, doesn't mean that other people are. A lot of people, yeah, they're cutting the cord and they're they, and they're you know they're off cable or they've canceled their satellite, but you know anybody who is over forty, I bet you that at some point they're still watching TV in some form. Um, and I'm not just talking about the Super Bowl, and I'm not just talking about you know football games and, and basketball games and, and live events. There, the people are still watching TV. Now, I think that. 
you know, in fact, my parents were in town for, uh, for Christmas and my wife is complaining, don't your parents do anything other than watch TV? Like, no, they don't. Yeah. But I was watching what was happening and the TV was on in our family room for eight hours a day with news or on HGTV or some home improvement show or some auto racing or whatever it was. But guess what was happening? There were commercials on all the time and they wouldn't be advertising there if people weren't watching. And so now on the flip side of that, I think that there's certainly a case to be made that, you know, the 25 year old is probably not, doesn't have the TV on eight hours a day. I don't have the TV on eight hours a day. Um, but I think that even still, if the TV is on, one of the questions we have to ask, and we don't really know, is what happens when the commercials come on, on TV? I think a lot of people go get, get their phone out and look at Facebook and look at Instagram and look and see what's going on online if they're not also doing that while watching the show. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of unknowns out there, but the fact that the TV is on and the commercials are running is still, um, is still something to focus on and to be considered in a marketing mix. So apart from eyeballs and attention, when you compare traditional broadcast media to online and digital channels, you know, when you're talking with clients, in the automotive industry or otherwise, uh, where are you weighing up the pros and the cons of both for them? Or how are you positioning that at this stage? Most small business owners, especially car dealers, uh, they, they don't, they don't always look at the strategy first. They look at the money first. So, all right, I don't want to spend $20,000 a month on TV anymore. What can digital do for me? So, so they, they kind of start off from the wrong perspective, in my opinion. Yeah. What I want them to do is, here are the people I wanna reach, here's the product I have to sell, and here's how I can solve my customer's problem. Where is the best place for me to advertise? And so that's, that's what I want them to ask. But instead, a lot of times, I have $12,000. Where am I gonna get the most, get the most bang for my buck? And yeah. they leave out a lot of the strategy part, which, you know, you and I are so passionate about. And uh, so I think that the, the conversation often, often starts off from the wrong place. But if you can get them to, well, let's back up a second. Let's do the right thing and then see how much it costs. And you might be surprised. You may not even have to spend that $12,000, but let's, but let's start from the right place when we develop this whole marketing strategy first. I love that. And I'd love to hear how, maybe if you can talk us through how you approach that conversation. So I'm a, a small family run dealership. I come and sit down with you. I say, I've got $20,000 to spend this quarter. What, you know, and I'm focused on the money. I'm focused on my return on investment. How do you position that conversation and, and get to the, get to the guts of the strategy for them? Yeah, a lot, a lot of times they'll say, hey, you know, we're, we have this amount in the budget or we're cutting, up, we're cutting out this amount in the budget. What do you recommend that we do? And so, <laughs> the funny thing is they still have these really ambitious goals. They want to be able to accomplish what they've always done, but do it for a third <laughs> or two thirds. And so that's when I, I say, well, let's, let's back up a second and, and tell me what your priorities are. Do you need to sell trucks? Um, is that what your focus is on? Or do you need to sell Jeeps? Is that what your focus is on? Tell me what your, we don't, we need to see what your strategy is or what your, what, what you want to accomplish before we can determine how much money you need to spend and where to spend it. Because spending it uh, on TV will cost one thing, spending it on video pre-roll might be another cost. And then doing it on Facebook is another thing. And those costs may vary wildly depending on, you know, um, how much does it cost to reach truck buyers? How competitive are those keywords? And depending on where in the country you are, if you're in the South and you're trying to sell an F-150 in Texas, that's gonna be a pretty competitive deal. You know, doing it in a, in a you know, more metropolitan area, it's a different story. So, um, so I think that, you know, when a, when a client comes to you and says, um, hey, um, I'm going to spend less, but I want to accomplish the same thing. Then we have, then that's when you have to get creative with your strategy and then figure out 
all right, what's, what's the best I can do for them? But then also from a business standpoint, how do I talk to them very gently and, and make them understand that, well, we're going to do, do the best we can, but I don't want you to be, you know, but you don't want to offend them either and say, hey, you know, you're, you're stupid for doing this. You can't say that. You might be thinking that, but you can't say that. And, um, but there's all, I've, I've found that through all these, all these years, there's a way to do just about everything. You just, you just have to take a moment, sit back, get with some other people, get a brain trust together and, and figure something out. And the one thing I've always told people is if you spend less then then you have a heavier burden on your creative, the creative has to be that much stronger to make up for what you're losing in, uh, in media investment and in uh, frequency. You could spend a hundred thousand dollars a month and say just about anything you want it could be, you know, you know, really bad advertising and still get results just by the sheer volume of commercials that are running. So, um, so there's, I, I'm an eternal optimist. There's a way to do anything. There's a way to be successful. If you, if you're, if you're committed to coming up with that solution and then sticking with it. Do you often come across unrealistic expectations with clients? I think we probably all do it very <laughs> With times, car dealers? But... Never. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, what are those common unrealistic expectations? Are they based around budget versus reach or return on investment or creative possibilities? I or... think it's, I think there's a couple things that come to mind immediately. Of course it's budget. You know, they're, they're car dealers are the most awesome business people you'll ever come across. They know how to work a dollar. They know how to get a deal and so, of course, they're always going to see, hey, how can I make my money um, work <laughs> miracles for me? But I think that the other thing um, that is a challenge or that, that they may be unrealistic about sometimes is when it comes to not the retail side, but the branding side. And I would say maybe 25% of the time dealers are coming to us and they want some branding elements or a full on branding spot. And the thing that concerns me is not what they're saying in the commercials or in the videos, or it might be a long format video too, you know, a two minute about us video or tour of the dealership. What I'm not concerned about the content of what they're saying on a branding ad. What I'm concerned about is, are they able to back it up in the store? Because so many, so many businesses in general, I don't want, don't want to even single out, single out dealers. So many businesses say we are this and this and this and this, and then the customer experience winds up being something different. Yeah. And so I would almost rather you forego the branding ad and just do hundred percent retail. You can back up uh, an offer of you know, one ninety nine a month on a Toyota Corolla. That's no problem. But if you say, you know, we have guaranteed lowest prices. You really can't guarantee that. Uh, if you say, you know, our people are experts and then they come to the store, a customer comes to the store and they know more about the product than the salesperson does, which is a very real thing, by the way. Um, and so many other, other things that you could brag about or talk about, a lot of dealers and a lot of businesses in general just can't back it up. They, they aspire to be those things, but you have to be very careful that, you don't let the customer down because they're expecting you to be everything that you said in your ads. And if you can't back it up, once they come to do business with you, that's, that's very damaging. So that's one of the things that I'm very, very concerned about, especially since there's been a lot more talk lately about branding for, for automotive. I want to be sure that dealers can actually back it up. Yeah. And so that's really interesting concept, which I'd love to explore a bit further because we've had a conversation Jeff before around in the automotive industry, not, not uniquely, but somewhat uniquely, the, the branding of the product is handled very well by the, by the, the brands, you know, the, the, uh, automotive brands that are being sold. So people are coming to a dealership often with, uh, preconceptions and brand impressions of that they want to buy a Jeep or they want to buy a Toyota or whatever it may be. Right. But then you've got that, that other level of branding of the dealership itself, which is obviously where you start to, to get to that potential fear of branding and letting the client down. So, um, can you talk to that, that idea a little bit and, and how that smaller business when they're 
working under larger brand organizations in structure in that way? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> most of the time the dealers will say, and uh, so in, in, in automotive, there's tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is going to be the national brand. Tier three is going to be the dealer. And so the, the tier three dealer will say, um, well, it's tier one's job to do branding of their product. It's my job to tell people where to go to buy it, which I believe is true. But I think that there's a, a missed opportunity a lot of times for dealers. If they would talk about the, um, the product a little bit more and then attach their name to it, then I think there's a, a real benefit there. One of my guys who's been on my video uh, team, he has been saying for years, why don't dealers understand that car buyers are not really buying a dealership, they're buying a car. And so why don't we focus more on the cars themselves? And so my response is, I hear you and I totally understand and I agree to an extent. However, the dealer says, it's tier one's job to brand their vehicles. It's tier three's job to tell people where to go to buy them. And so I've always thought that there's gotta be a way to, to merge those. I think that the dealer could say, could do a, just a, you know, a quick, if it's a 30 second commercial, let's say, I think that they could spend 10, 12, maybe 15 seconds talking about, you know, all the adventures you're going to go on in your new Jeep. And then ABC Jeep is the place to go to buy it. And here's the yeah. offer that we have right now for just $2.99 a month with zero down. So I think you I think there's a way to attach, you know, what people are really doing, which is shopping for a car and they want that. And you can, you can put that excitement on display and that emotion that us as video people do. We, you know, we love to capture that emotion and then attach that to the dealership or any business um, with this is where to go to buy it. Here's the offer that we have and then put a strong call to action in. To me, I think that's the magic formula and I wish more dealerships would, would consider that. But you know, a lot of times they're really focused on, man, I've got to hammer my competition. I have to get my name out there as many times as possible. If in 30 seconds I can have my logo on the screen for all 30 seconds and say my, my name seven times, they think that's the win, but that's where they're missing the boat because they're not addressing their customer. They're addressing themselves. For me, the reality is, um, and in my own personal experience, going to dealerships and buying cars is you, the end result is you buy the car and it's the same car that, you know, the same model that you could buy from that dealer or that dealer, you know, dealer A or dealer B, you end up with the same result, but the experience of buying the car, I think is what the lasting thing is in many cases through that process. Because, you know, my wife and I bought a, a used car from a, a dealership. It was a Toyota dealership. So we're looking for a Toyota Corolla and we have a few to choose from within short drive of where we live and um, a few dealerships that is. So we went to one particular dealership and had a horrible experience. Um, she felt bullied. She felt um, not listened to. Uh, the, the, we didn't buy from them um, and we would never buy from them. Um, but then we went to another Toyota dealer down the road and had the complete opposite experience. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've now bought all of our vehicles, even non-Toyotas through used vehicles through that, um, that dealership where we had the good experience and that's the real life lived experience. And then you can talk about word of mouth and all that sort of benefit from the customer experience, but in marketing, and, and I think this is the strength of what you were talking about there is you can talk about the product, but bring your own, your own brand experience to it. So bring your own personality, allow your people who are at the, you know, at the coal face of the customer experience to be themselves, to show their enthusiasm for the product um, and do what they would do in an online or marketing sense, uh, what they would do when someone walks in, you know, on the lot and uh, asks them about a vehicle. And that's, I think, the strength in branding at that smaller dealer level. Would you, would you agree? Well, yeah, you, you nailed it. And this is what I've been saying a lot lately. Why would you, uh, you know, in, 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 in North America, at least for, you know, decades, we've had the crazy car dealers and yelling and screaming and just outrageous stuff. And I've been saying a lot lately, um, when a customer walks onto your lot, 
would you scream at them the first thing? Hey, how are you? Buy this car. Buy it now. Yeah, cheap, cheap, yeah, cheap. You wouldn't do that if a customer walked into your showroom. So why would you yell at somebody in your advertising? Yeah. And so, because I believe that what you do and how you say things in your commercials is a direct reflection of how you do business. Now, that may not actually be true, but your customers may think so. Wow, are they going to yell at me when I get there? Wow, is that guy going to scream at me when I get on the lot? Wow, that guy looks creepy. He's going to rip me off. And, or it doesn't even have to be the, de the dealer himself doesn't even have to be on the commercial. It could be just some loud screaming announcer with all kinds of crazy animation going on. Man, I'm exhausted just watching that commercial. And so, so you have to be really, really careful about the image that you portray just by nature of the production itself, because people will pick up on, wow, that's, that's a place that I'm not sure I want to go. And I've, I have found that oftentimes the, the, those crazy guys and the, the crazy ads they give, once you get to the store, that's where you have the experience that you had where, yeah. wow, they were yelling at me in the ads and guess what? It was a horrible experience once I got there. So it was just a, Hey, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, um, giving people a, a taste of here's what you're going to experience when you come in here. I mean, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, and you're going to walk out feeling really bad. Yeah. You just, as you're talking there, I'm reflecting on the ad campaigns that I've seen from those two different dealers in my area. And it's exactly as you've described the, they're really are, they're taking very different approaches to their marketing as well. And the bad experience that we had, it is very much that kind of in your face, mm. um, you know, kind of shouty type advertising, which, yeah. yeah. So it aligns but, but to the know, customer but, but experience. You know what? Um, this is where this is where I'm, I'm I, I get really passionate about the industry. I think that there are a lot of but first of all, the car dealer industry gets a, a really bad rap. There's a lot of good people, a lot of good dealerships, and a lot of good men and women and families, very honorable, very trustworthy. Uh, and I can think of, of of one gentleman in particular. And he is the nicest man, very easy to talk to, you know, just, you know, you, you wouldn't suspect anything about him as being dishonest. And I don't think he's dishonest. However, he has been sucked into this belief that he has to have crazy advertising in order to get attention, in order to get customers into his store. Um, so he has let his sales managers take care of all that advertising and they are zany, crazy commercials. And, um, it's dealers like that who are nice guy dealers who think that crazy is what wins. I think they're doing damage and don't even know it because I mean, for all these years, Hey, well, it worked for this guy. I better do that. Or they had a blonde spokesperson. I'll have a blonde spokesperson. And so it's kind of monkey see monkey do, but, um, for the, for the dealers who are good, honest, hardworking dealers that, that customers actually can trust and are going to have a good experience with. I think they're alienating a lot of people because they're doing the style of advertising that's always been done, but it's not a good reflection on who they really are. And I think that they, if they're, if their eyes were open to the fact that, Hey, you can have a really professional looking and sounding commercial or video that reflects on your character, you're gonna have a lot more long-term success and, um, and your, your image doesn't take a hit in the process. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and I feel that it has to do with the way that consumer attention has changed. Because when you, when you relied on interruptive advertising, which traditional broadcast advertising is, it's you're watching your TV show and then the ads come on and the shout brings you back to the screen, right? You're like, what is that guy shouting about? Right? So attention was, was forced. And that's what good marketing needed to do is to, you know, grab that attention by the ears and hold it, you know, look at my ad. Right. But as we've moved into particularly more online and even just because of online and digital consumer expectations, I believe have changed. We now, you know, want to be more respected. We don't want interruptive advertising. Um, you know, we could talk about the fact that people are fast forwarding ads, but we've already talked about that. A lot of people are still watching the ads, right. But 
we respect that time more. And particularly when it comes to online and digital, I'd, I'd be interested to hear from you where you see that approach needing to change. You've already touched on the fact that you shouldn't be shouting at people, but you know, how do you think that when you are moving into those dealerships spending their money now in digital advertising or digital marketing, how does the approach need to change? Well, remember that, you know, 20 years ago, when you talk about interruptive advertising, that was the only thing you could do. There was no Google, you know, so, Hey honey, what do you think about uh, buying a new truck? Let's Google it. You you didn't Google it. (laughs) You, you looked in the newspaper um, to see what the ads were or an ad would come on TV or radio, or you would just go down to the dealership and start looking. There, there was, there was not much else in the way of here's how to shop. Here's where it's different now. When people say, Hey, um, thinking about a new truck, what do you do? Um, F-150 Denver. And then here you go. So people now can shop on their own terms. They do the research on their own terms and it's not advertising in effective advertising is not, doesn't have to be so dependent on interruptive advertising anymore. You just have to be a resource for when those shoppers are ready. Now here's, this is the beautiful thing. This is how broadcast and digital work together. You run a TV commercial or even a pre-roll ad as interruptive advertising and you get people to start thinking, wow, that is a really cool truck. Let me go to abcford.com and see what it's and see what they're talking about. I want to know more about what I just saw. So what we what we definitely know is that when an ad runs on TV, hits on the website spike within that 30 seconds. And so, so that's how they work together. But in terms of how you shift your video strategy over, I think there's still an element of interruptive advertising on video pre-roll, but where the opportunities are, uh, are being a resource during the shopping process. So whether it's cars or furniture or a restaurant or whatever it might be, um, put content out there that positions you as an expert, positions you as an advocate, positions you as, hey, you know what, when you're ready to buy, call me. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to have as much hard sell, hard sell, now, 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 now. I think you still need some of that to get people motivated who are in the market, but you have to be respectful of the fact that people are going to buy when they're ready because they have so much information in front of them and they know that they know what the price of the car is. They know what the dealer paid for the car. Everything's very, very transparent now. So you just have to be a trusted resource and be the, be the one they trust when they're ready to buy. Yeah. And that's about providing value through, through the marketing and communications that you're putting out there. And, and that's particularly the focus that it needs to be in that online space, because what you've talked about there is a really interesting thing, I think, for our listeners to consider, particularly if they have clients or they are themselves using traditional, uh, they, they are using broadcast advertising as well. And thinking about how, I always use the term, everything's better when it works together. So the idea of if you are investing in, in TV advertising, and we've had a client in the past who was running TV advertising was committed to doing that. And then they saw value from that. So we continued to run their TV advertising, but what we did is created a value first, um, ad campaign basically through Facebook. And at the times and the programming that we knew that ad was running, we were running a Facebook ad at the same time. So we weren't running that Facebook ad 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We were running it for that brand only during that programming time that they knew their ad was, was scheduled for Mm -hmm. understanding, as you mentioned before, that when the ads come on, they are getting that impression from the brand. So they're seeing that ad, some of them may be, you know, ready to buy and going straight and Googling that, you know, that business to go and learn more, but others are just back on Facebook, scrolling their newsfeed and then the ad pops up, right? right? The Facebook ad, which is about the value first Facebook ad. And they've just seen the ad on TV. They're now seeing it. They're much more likely to click. And that's where I feel everything's better when it works together. But that's what the strategy is all about is understanding how those pieces come together. What you've just described, I love it because 
I think that no matter where advertising evolves, what the platform is, what the venue is, frequency is what does the job. Because if you see my commercial once, you're not going to really remember it. If you see it twice, probably not. Three times, maybe. Four times, five times. Ten times in, maybe now it's just starting to sink in. And if you can say the same thing, but maybe in slightly different ways, in a slightly different context based on the platform, that's an awesome strategy. And I think that you know, so often, especially older advertisers and older marketing people in general, you have this broadcast mindset where, well, you run it on TV and you blast it out to a million people. But the truth is, is that you know, only 2% or 3% of the population is actually in the market for what you're selling. And then you narrow it down from there. Well, they're not interested in your brand. So now you're down to, you know, 0.25% of the market is actually in the, mar- uh, in the market for a Ford. But if you can hone them in on Facebook and on uh, video pre-roll and wherever else, now you've blasted your message out there, but you've also narrowed it down to in-market shoppers. And that's the beauty of working together. You get your name out there. Uh, you get people excited on TV. You get some web traffic from that. But then when they, as soon as they hit uh, Facebook or YouTube, there you are again, not only as an advertiser, but as the trusted resource. You don't have to have a retail-oriented commercial running on those venues, not at all. Hey, if you're looking for a new F-150, we're the resource. Here's why. And then, you know, we know trucks inside and out. Like, look at this F-150. Did you know that had this cool new feature on it? And then you go through that. Instantly, you're not selling anything. You're the, you're the guy that the potential buyer trusts. Hey, you know what? I like that guy. I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to him when I'm ready. So there's a million ways to do it. But I just think that when you, I love your theory of everything working together um, frequency, but s- jumbling up the message a little bit to show that you're very diverse in what you know and in what you're t- telling people, that's a winning formula to me. And I think combining that with the the targeting ability of digital marketing with your traditional marketing, it's just a, it's just a one-two punch, you know, like you're able to run your ad to the whole demographic in that regional area, for example, but then only run and only for the period of time where that ad is, is screening on, on TV, only run that sponsored ad or, or Facebook ad with value uh, in that content to the, your specific, your particular demographic that you know is interested in and likely to buy. So you're not going to run it to everybody. Right. And so you're, you're maximizing your spend there as well. Like rather than running that Facebook campaign 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can, you know, 10 times the spend in that two hour window while that programming's on TV and kind of be everywhere. So everybody will see your ad if they open up their Facebook feed in that time. <laughs> right. Well, and here's where the beauty this is, this is where somebody who's really committed to video content creation really scores a home run. If let's say, let's say you are, um, uh, you're a Ford dealer and you know, F-150 is the best selling vehicle in America, but the, the people who buy them are so diverse. It's everything from the, the plumber contractor all the way up to, you know, there's, you know, $90,000 trucks that some, some, you know, very affluent family in the suburbs, that's their Cadillac. That's what they, you know, that's what they, that's what they want. They're that nice. But the way you target the contractor and the way you target uh, urban cowboy is completely different. And imagine that if you were able to create specific video content that was targeted at each specific demographic or lifestyle or career. Yeah. Hey, Hey, we know that we know that, uh, that painters all over town, um, need a trusted vehicle and here at ABC Ford, we have it. So that's just for contractors, just for painters. And then, Hey, we know you're, uh, you know, you're out in the field all day and you're doing this and doing this. We have trucks for farmers. We have trucks for engineers. We have trucks for, you know, for, um, hauling your family around, whatever it might be, but you only, you only 
send that message to those specific demos because then the, then the viewer, the customer thinks, wow, they get me. Wow. They know me. I trust those guys. As opposed to just blasting out, here's F-150, it's $2.99 a month. And you show nothing relatable to anybody and hope that everybody gravitates towards it. And we know that when you, when you try to appeal to everybody, you wind up appealing to nobody. But the beauty yeah. of digital video is you, if you're committed to creating all gobs of content, you can speak to just about everybody in your target and hit them right between the eyes with your message and then they'll trust you. Yes. So powerful. And hopefully more and more businesses are going to start uh, embracing this. It's a slow, slow, slow process because here's the thing as video producers, if you, if, if a company came to us and said, Hey, produce me 10 videos. Well, sorry, sir. That's going to cost you $20,000. Um, you know, then they say, well, I don't think so. And then they just go back to what they've always done. I think that at some point the scales are going to tip where they used to spend, say, you know, of their media budget, they would spend 10% of that on production. So if it was a $20,000 buy, they might spend $2,000 in production total. I think that's going to flip at some point where maybe they only spend 5,000 on a, pre-roll campaign, but they wind up spending 10,000 in content because the media is so cheap. And since it's so highly targetable, um, you want us, you want to create those 10 different videos to target each of those individual demographics. And so I think mm. you win right now or in the past, you've won by spending a lot of mo- um, a lot of money on media. So you get the reach and the frequency, but now you, you would spend less on the media, spend more on the production because you have to target more demographics. Yeah. And I think also the, the, the tables have turned whereby you would have spent that $10,000 on creating one $10,000 kind of showcase piece. Whereas now with this right strategy in place, it's much more effective to create 10, $1,000 pieces of content um, because they can be used in different ways and be much more highly targeted. So I think, Jeff, we could probably chat about this for hours and (laughs) hours, but we won't. Um, But I do want to wrap up by just exploring with you how you're you're seeing your business change over the next door or what your plans are to, I guess, adapt to these changes that we've talked about here today. Um, Because you have joined me as one of the early students in the online video strategy blueprint uh, course content. Um, So I'm interested to hear from you, you know, what your reasons were behind, you know, exploring this as an avenue and how you see your business, like where are you aiming to take dealer creative and capstone production group as, as we transition? Well, the reason, the reason why I joined your course was a lot of education is needed. Um, First of all, with me, I'm a TV guy. I'm a radio guy. I come from a traditional background and so many of our clients do as well. But as times change, I have to be able to educate them, educate my clients on here are all the options that you have when it comes to using video to market your business. I know, I don't know when, but I know that at some point broadcast is not going to be as much of a viable advertising opportunity. And even if it is, I suspect that many advertisers won't have the stomach to spend that much money on it anymore. So I need to be able to come to them with a solution. But the reason I took your course is so that I can get up to speed on here's what I need to know so that I can educate them. And so that I can make a good case for it. I can't just say it's cheaper. I have to be able to say, it's more targeted, it's more trackable, and yes, it's less expensive, but then here are all the different ways that you can use it. It's not just putting a spot on TV anymore, it's about, look, you can do video pre-roll. On your YouTube channel, you can do this. With Facebook, it's this. On Instagram, it's this. On Twitter, it's this. And you have all these options available to you. It's far more complicated than it used to be. Uh, as far as video advertising goes, it used to be just TV or nothing. 
Now it's all these different platforms. It's overwhelming and, and car dealers get overwhelmed in a hurry. So I have to find a way to say it succinctly and quickly and in a way that they can understand. And so that's why I took the course. And this is, and I, I feel that it's going this way. You know, what I, what I said earlier was once the industry starts making that shift to digital, I don't want to be chasing it. I want to be there so that when they say, I have had enough of spending 30 grand a month on TV, what can digital video do for me? I want to be that resource that's already there, already experienced and already knows um, what to do and that I can put a plan together for them just like that and win the deal. Yeah. Awesome. And Jeff, I know you are staying ahead of the curve. I, I just, I, I feel that and understand that from that conversation we've had today. And I just kind of wish that you would open up a, a dealer creative group in Australia because I know some of our car dealers need, need your help as well. <laughs> I'll be there next month. Uh, maybe I can help. Awesome. Great. Look, Jeff, thanks for your time today. It's been a really interesting conversation and I know we, we have focused on the automotive industry quite a bit, but, um, I think a lot of what we've talked about today is equally relevant across any industry. So I'm sure our listeners have, um, have got a lot from today and I really appreciate your time and insight. Absolutely. And you're right. It, it's not just about automotive. They have their specific, you know, ways of doing business and a unique set of challenges and definitely unique personalities. But the concepts that we apply for car dealerships are pretty universal. You know, it's just that you have, we just happen to have a unique um, skill set and knowledge set in automotive, but it applies to furniture, it applies to restaurants, it applies to law firms, it applies to accountants, it applies to everything. And, um, and the future versus the present is the same for everybody. TV is going to dwindle for everybody. Everybody is going to need to be online. In fact, I think that being uh, being positioned, if you're a video producer, being positioned as the online video expert now, uh, when that rush starts to happen, then, uh, then you're in the driver's seat. Yeah, absolutely. Hey Jeff, for anyone who wants to check out more about you or, or see what you have to offer there at Capstone Production Group or Dealer Creative, where can we find out more about you? Uh, CapstoneProductionGroup.com and DealerCreative.com and uh, Jeff Hayes, uh, look me up on Instagram. Or I'm not on Instagram. Well, I'm on Instagram too, but LinkedIn is, is where we do a lot of talking about uh, business and about car dealerships and how to get your message on track uh, through using video. Excellent. Well, we'll have all those, all those links in the show notes as always, guys. Jeff, thanks for your time today. It's been awesome. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Jeff Hayes for joining me and thanks to you for listening to this show. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. What was one key takeaway that you got from this chat? Let me know via email podcast at engagevideomarketing.com or hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at engage underscore Bannon. And let's talk more. Let's open up some conversation. Or if you're keen to actually join other like-minded video strategists and explore these ideas further together, then I encourage you to join the online video strategy community over on Facebook. It's a closed Facebook group and I'd love to see you in there too. Absolutely free to join. Just head on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash community and you can request to join there and uh, add your voice to the conversations there. Now, as I mentioned in the show, Jeff was one of a small group to get early access to the online video strategy blueprint course content. And I am really excited to be launching the full course later this month, January 2019. So what is the online video strategy blueprint? Well, it's really all about making the transition from video producer to video strategist. This really is the course that I wish I had three years ago in my business when I started this journey myself. Now, as a video producer, if you're out there, you know your craft, you know you can produce great video, but are your videos actually returning on the investment for your client? Can you help your clients to ensure that they're making the right videos for the right purpose in the right way? If not, then this is where the online video strategy blueprint comes in. 
and the concepts and ideas that I share through the course really have become a game changer for my business. And that's why I've put together this course. And it's really been three years in the making and it's well overdue and it's time to launch this course and bring it out into the world. And I'm super excited. So stay tuned because over the next few weeks, I'll be sharing more as we get nearer to the course enrollment period, which is opening at the end of January. Now, get on my email list over at engagevideomarketing.com or onto the VIP wait list for the online video strategy blueprint at onlinevideostrategyblueprint.com. So that's it from me today. And until next time, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you grow your business through effective online video strategy. Bye for now.